Hey, welcome back to the Ludinus Podcast. I am Nick Cummings, and with me, as always, is my buddy, Aaron Thayer. Hey, pal. Hey, friend. How you doing? <laughs> you know, just, just same welcome as back. always. Welcome back. Thank you. You're traveling. I have been all over this great country of ours. Yes. Uh, we, we, we take ownership of the United States, so it's our country. Collectively, we all do. It's... And for those who can't see Nick's facial expression, he wasn't being... Uh, sarcastic he 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 felt passionate when he said great country yeah i also have very uh interesting theories on eminent domain and what it means to own a country so you know we'll get back to that later follow up later (laughs) yeah wait for our offshoot podcast about like harebrained takes on the legal system uh the libertarian (laughs) oh god it's just like it's happening the ron paul themed (laughs) podcast with that gif of him Shaking his fist. It's your favorite, yeah. Or waving his hands or whatever he's doing. He's so happy in that gift, though. He's you know you know the one? Yes, I do. Yeah, it's beautiful. Speaking gift. of video games. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Ron Paul. Yeah. Uh we have a topic for today that's uh it, it's thematically related to things we've talked about in the past on this show, but we wanted to kind of just There's a reason we keep dwelling on it. Yeah, we, you know, we like to talk about these sort of nebulous, touchy feeling, almost like metaphysical topics on this show. And this one today is Something that might rub people the wrong way if they just hear about the topic, but we want to really approach it from a, a constructive way. And that is uh, gamer culture. And Sorry, advertisers. It's... Yeah. Yeah. They've all left. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, in other news, uh, we will be starting a Patreon because no one will ever advertise with yeah. us. Uh, look for that. Uh, no, it's not just gamer culture, but this notion of entitlement, this notion of control and strong opinions and... Not that opinions are bad, but basically we have, I think, what Aaron and I agree upon is kind of a uh, it's a pretty toxic culture in a lot of ways. And one of the ways that we see it the worst is, you know, usually this time of year when big games start coming out or getting announced, E3 is just right around the corner as of this recording. The uh, biggest trade show still. The biggest, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where giant enemy crabs came from. Lots of memes over the years. Lots yeah. of things involving Reggie. from Bodies Nintendo. being ready. Yes. Yeah. Lots of stuff. The Nintendo World Championships are coming back. Great 90s. Um, not even a meme, but just an institution. Yeah, it was like the entire... It was the MacGuffin and the Wizard. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Pretty pretty good movie from the early 90s. Wasn't Jenny Lewis in that? She was. And Jenny yeah. Lewis, great musician. Great actress. Great actress. Guess she did some music too. This is now the Jenny Lewis podcast. I'm actually going to see Jenny Lewis in a few months. Looking forward Jealous. to Jealous, anyway. Yeah, tickets um, are still on sale. <laughs> So we we did <laughs> the Ron brought... Paul Jenny Lewis podcast. <laughs> yeah, gamer culture. Thank you, Jenny Lewis, for listening. Um, we appreciate it. I we dig into this, and we have previously, as you said. What is bringing this back up now, Nick? Is there something that um, you you mentioned? E three yeah. big releases. Are there specific touch points that you were wanting to mention as far as why we're bringing this up as a topic and where we're going with it this time? Yeah. So yeah. I read a thing on the internet, which you know is generally not a good idea. Yeah. But this thing I read was really interesting. I'll find a link for the post. Um, suffice it to say, it's a a take from a game developer looking at a uh, focus group, like a. Uh, basically like a, a test session of a game where they got feedback from a self-identified gamer who had very strong pointed opinions about what games absolutely should and shouldn't do. And those opinions effectively amounted to things like uh, MMO players are not, or massively multiplayer, multiplayer online game like players. Wow. Like World, World of Warcraft. Warcraft. Yeah, mm-hmm. those games. Those are not true gamers. 
And there's this notion of like, you know, what a true gamer is, which is akin to the no true Scotsman argument, which look that up on the internet. That's an article you can read if it's on Wikipedia. <laughs> and this idea of gamers knowing what's best for all people. And yeah. uh, or rather all people who want to play games. Well, not even we've seen recently outside of that that gamers have tried to impose some of their backward cultural theories on everyone. Yeah, and I mean like, you know, we could say not all gamers do that, and that's like, you know, obviously there are, there are fallacies in that too. But yes, it's it's a it's a uh it's definitely something that's correlated to people who identify as gamers speaking out on these kind of things and saying like this is how things should be. We need to fight back against these so-called like, you know, supposed oppressors or people with agendas who are trying to uh in so many words take away the games they love, take away the culture right. they love. And you know, we saw this with Gamergate last year. Uh, we've seen this in the past with other things. Um, there have been campaigns against oh, anything under the sun from Valve and its modding uh, sales support to things in the past like, oh, what was a, what's a good example here? Um, you've got something, right? <laughs> well, I'm even thinking of when um, games first started going digital and yeah. there was a lot of backlash against that about the sense of ownership uh drm yeah. would be a big one people want that packaged good consumer advocacy is a thread in this i think that a lot of those who speak out and are vocal about their concerns which i do inherently think that there is a benefit to speaking out against what someone might consider to be uh poor or misrepresented um, aspects of a product. So if a game is saying one thing and then when it releases and it's being demoed as one thing and then it releases as a complete opposite of that, literally, as it was a dance simulator uh, a year ago and now it's being released as a shooter but nobody was ever told that, then sure, there's a platform to stand on where you know I thought I was buying this dance simulator. <laughs> Yeah. But now it's a shooting game. Sure. Oh, that's surprising. But, but that never happens. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and the, the complaints and the idea of consumer advocacy that those who self-identify as gamers, which is now my favorite way to just refer to anybody who's a core gamer. Anyone who you don't agree with. Yeah, self-identified gamer. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Yes. Um, a lot of these elements of consumer advocacy, pre-Gamergate uh, especially, come down to... We saw something in a in a preview, pre-alpha, demo, video, whatever, non-release version of a game a year, two years ago, uh, some press conference or something, and now it looks different or it's slightly different, and then I'm being this self-identified gamer as I'm pretending to be right now, I'm going to flame the game and complain and yell and tell everyone not to buy it and that my money has been wasted, I've been lied to. Yeah. So why... What the hell, man? I... Why do people do that? It's it's my right. Okay. Uh, I want to talk to Aaron again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Let me come back out of my my state. Do you, um, do you feel clean? Are you I okay? Do. Okay. Do you know The ghost has left my body. Good. So, um, well, let's... I, I would ask you maybe to start to answer that question. Sure. Why aren't you that way? If we want to try to figure out, which is going to be impossible, but get as close as we can to understanding... This element of entitlement, this element of uh, false consumer white knight advocacy against this idea that marketers and developers and publishers are trying to screw you out of your hard-earned dollar, I'm assuming, is some of that argument. It's part of it. Um, 
why are you or do you do you feel that way about any games and if not why don't you have that level of care or uh, this feeling of being betrayed if a game's trailer from two years before uh, doesn't quite match up to the, re- the release version. The Witcher 3 being the most recent example of that. Yeah. Uh, Watch Dogs before that. Controversy that graphics were downgraded or um, um, lessened because of X reason. Why don't you care? Why aren't you up in arms about it, Nick? You know, I don't know. Like, maybe it's just who I am. Maybe it's that I try to, like, not sweat the, the, the small stuff anymore. Or, like... Would you have ever felt that way, though? In playing games? No. Like, I mean, I'm not... People who know me know I'm not an aggressive person. I'm not going to go out and write angry letters or worse, post anonymous angry tirades on the internet blasting companies or individuals or people for, like, not making a game I like. Like, I accept that, you know, I love games in a lot of ways. I love making them. I love playing them. I love studying them. I love talking to a microphone about them. Clearly. Uh, oh, that's what we're doing. Yeah. No, we're recording this. <laughs> Whose microphone is this? <laughs> Why am I tied to this chair? Okay. Uh, I, I have my own connections to games, so they're powerful and they're, they're, they're individual. And I don't... I'm also pragmatic in the fact that games come from people who want to make them. Whether that's yeah. because they want the money, they want the recognition, or they just enjoy the craft, or whatever reasons it may be, whatever combination. There is a business created to create games, and there are people who make them on the side. The, as I get older, um, the biggest factor, limiting factors no longer are um, money, but time. Sure. Which isn't to say that like I'm loaded. It's to say that I have very little time for games. We're getting into some deep economic principles here. Yeah. So if the graph of me being loaded goes up and right. a graph okay. of me having time to play cool shit goes down, yes. supply and demand, look it up, economics. Macro or micro? Uh, Machines. I was going to say that yeah. too. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So I'm making like an X with my hands. Uh, yeah. X is going to give it to you. Yeah, so I'm making an X with my hands, right. and uh... <laughs> sorry, exhibit reference. So uh, I, I'm sorry, I totally derailed derail no, no, you. No, no, no. I'm so happy we're thinking about that. Now. The thing is, is I see the why I don't to help you get to where you were going with that before I interrupted you with an exhibit <laughs> reference. Um, I thought that was DMX or DMX. Yeah, now I'm getting my X's. Two X's. I'm getting my X's mixed up. Um, anyway, I see games in the way that i would see some art and that brings up that whole debate of years ago etc games are are or are not art depending on who was saying that but i guess i have leeway in what i expect from a game because i know it's developed by people yep people are flawed and projects don't always pan out the way that they're meant to yep and i don't hold that against the product the developers the publisher short of it being just an obvious screw up an obvious push to get a game out by a holiday deadline with no play testing or qa you know and which happens but i i don't see it as just a product and maybe that's some of the problem is some of these consumer advocates are just still treating the games as a product they're enjoying them. They're talking about them with friends. Yeah. But I'm trying to get in that mindset and think, it is a game I only have like 60 bucks every once in a while to buy with. I have to get my maximum enjoyment. If it's not the most perfect game, the everything that was promised before release is there, then I think that this product has failed me. And at least that's what I'm seeing. 
But it's fine to feel like a product failed you, right? Like, we're not arguing against that. Like, if you think a game sucks, like I have thought many times that I've spent $60 on, I accept that. I think that's a valid feeling. Sure. Where it becomes problematic is when you feel like you are entitled to nothing but the best. And that when you your individual expectations aren't met, then surely other people's expectations are also not being so met. So you will speak for them. Yeah. And then suddenly you sort of think, well, who else thinks like this? Who else is sharing these concerns? And maybe there's actually some broader movement going on to try to take away, I'm guessing, like, I'm just throwing sure. out here, but like this notion of our games, like our culture, me speaking as a hypothetical gamer here, a self-identified gamer who constructs our identity around this hobby. Um, so if so many people play games now, why do you think those who are so vocal about it seem to act like they're speaking for all game players? Do they just choose to ignore who's actually playing games these days? Or they only want to talk to the people who play the same games that they do? Um, well, in general, I think that when people speak out forcefully about something, it's because they feel like there is a threat to that group they represent in their minds. So then the person who is outraged by The Witcher 3, yeah, to go back to that, just for the little bit of background, is its trailer a year ago had better graphics. The game released, the graphics weren't what were exactly represented in that trailer. Yep. And the developers, CD Projekt Red, who are very, some of the most um, seemingly honest and talkative and communicative of developers, they that much you can say from what they do in press releases, kind of admitted, admitted that and said, well, you know, we put all the resources into a small section of this demo and the video looked great. But then when we tried to scale this into an actual uh, huge game, we said, oh crap, it can't be done that way. And they also admitted, well, we wanted to get this on the uh, Xbox One and PS4. And uh, that would hamstring some of those high level PC graphics. But if we didn't do that, we wouldn't have the resources and money to actually make the game at all. So yeah. But which is a reasonable explanation. It is. Even if you don't make games, I think if you look at the business side of it and the risk that they're taking by, you know, theoretically only shipping to PC versus doing consoles and PC. Yeah. I, I think it's valid. Like It's and, not like some PC manufacturer was putting in all the money to make no. The Witcher 3. And for the record, I'm playing it on PS4, which is supposedly like the least performant console. Yeah. It looks wonderful. Like, it's got problems. Every game does. But when I see people complaining about the performance of this game, I'm like, what were you expecting? Yeah. Like, what is this, all, you know, this constant, like, ever distant next gen that you're chasing? Yeah. So, anyway, that's that's my own opinion on that game. But, so, yeah, like, why do you think, why do you think people keep finding these examples to fight over and to, like, take this kind of, these pitchforks and torches to the doors of, like, these publishers? Not to say that, like, we should be nicer to publishers necessarily or that, like, they shouldn't. They do- are not culpable for any... Yeah, like they do all kinds of terrible bullshit. Like you want to talk about consumer advocacy, maybe, yeah. you know, DRM management that's DLC. actually consumer friendly. The fact that like Uplay is still a system where you can buy games and like there's all this weird crap going on with like uh, EA still runs Origin and, you know, on a, on a platform is supposed to... Anyway, DRM aside, there's a lot of big companies doing things that are kind of screwing over consumers, but we're not fighting about those things. We're not fighting to Well, these battles concerns. were fought and then it's Lost. just accepted. It's... Yeah. Oh, well, they suck, but we'll still buy their games. Yeah, the fact that game preservation is basically like illegal at best yeah. and impossible at worst because of the way that these companies are defending 
and even the smallest opportunity to possibly make money off these games in the future and refusing, therefore, to release them to the public domain. Those are fights worth fighting if you care about games, right? Sure. But that that's getting back to me saying is the reason why it's so hollow, these arguments to me and why they're being fought, it's from a perspective of it's a product. And yeah. as you said, it's okay to fight for a product that did not match any sort of expectation or what you were being sold on the box <clears throat> ended up being the opposite or didn't was didn't live up to what's actually within that product. But again, that's talking about the game as a product. And the preservation element that you're saying lends itself to art, right? Like software can be preserved. It doesn't have to be art to be preserved. And there are right. libraries of you know, original computers and the first Apple computers and, right. and floppies and all this. It doesn't have to be artistic and, and uh, an engaging um, experience to be preserved. But it's still straddling that, games are still straddling that line where we have, I think that's just me, and you asked what I thought, the people who complain so much just see it as a product. They're pissed that the product didn't have the check marks checked that they thought would be there from whatever pre-release coverage happened and they don't actually care about the game as an experience as art as having faults and being made by human beings that are under deadlines and pressure and it's not going to be perfect and i fight that within myself is why i i have that perspective oh really i see that where okay um this game whatever it is could have looked a little better or and that's a little janky I should be kind of mad about that, right? Like, how do these developers that are hundreds of people with all this, these millions of dollars and this talent, how are they not figuring this out? I see this as a problem. This is an obvious bug. Assassin's Creed Unity, when it came out. Like, sure. I had to fight against just railing on it to everybody because of how buggy it was. And it does, your mind clicks when you're isolated. You think of these people developing in a vacuum. Like, how could these people not have noticed all of these problems? What's going on? They're trying to screw me out of my money. So I can see that inherent argument. Yeah. But then I don't take it personally. Because what's it to me? If I if I did spend the money, then I spent the money and it's wasted. But that's it. Yeah. And that is coming from a position, like you said, where it's not so much uh, money anymore. That's our, our concern. It's time. So I am speaking from a position of privilege in that sense where i could in theory waste 60 dollars on a game and not be really hurt about it yeah that's true but, but i also don't look at it like they tried to screw me i don't take it personally in that sure sense. and like while you yes you know money's less of an issue than it was when you were younger yeah um time is more of an issue and like if you only get a night a week to play a game and you're looking forward to this new 60 dollars purchase you picked up and then you're like oh wait this is not the game I was looking for, then yeah, that's actually like, I can see that being even more frustrating because that's like, sure. it's a it's a much more precious quantity to you. And so, but going back to like what you said, what you're saying there, um, at what point do like we cross this line where suddenly um, it's like, it becomes so egregious to people that they feel the need to, to like, rail against any game that does breaks one of these cardinal rules that they've envisioned like what, mm -hmm. what, what what takes someone beyond this like isolated feeling of like sitting in your bubble and thinking oh this company completely screwed up this game they were trying to screw me out of my money and what moves you to like shouting from the rooftops and signing petitions and organizing boycotts and things like that for things that are like honestly not legitimate 
concerns for the broader population. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that any group that feels marginalized shouldn't feel entitled to speak about that, but these are not people who are truly being marginalized. These are people who just bought these a shitty game or a game that, they didn't like. Yeah. Yeah. And like, at what point did they stop thinking about games as like this medium, like, and start thinking purely as like consumer products that need to check bullet points and be worth a, like almost like an investment of like, this is, this equates to $60 of happiness. Hasn't or, that always been the case though? Or do you think that games, when they started, even as they grew in the 80s and 90s, were kind of innocuous enough to where nobody thought of them that way? Like, yeah, you're spending hundreds of dollars, or your parents are spending hundreds of dollars on systems and games, but it just, they're games, and that was it. And then now, like you're saying, hmm. they are these big budget. Like, it could be the chicken and the egg argument. Did marketers and PR and um, um, advertising and all the, the stuff that, drives forward trying to get larger sales numbers did they cause this was it game players and what they kept buying because it wouldn't be made if there weren't the sales numbers behind it so it's in some way catch 22 very simplistically put but yeah i don't know if that's answerable what you're asking at what point that changed though it now is it's feeding itself yeah i mean it's it's different for different people like i don't know what it was like to be 20 when the nes came out Right. Maybe maybe at that time you were, we're trying speaking to pick up from a games. late twenties millennial perspective. Right. What were the twenty and thirty year olds when the NES came out thinking of that? Was yeah. it just a toy? Yeah, we we were born about the same time as the NES. So yeah. you know we have a different perspective. Uh but that being said, uh you didn't see it reflected in the culture uh until I wanna say like, you know, around the time that the internet really started to take off and like Yeah. And um, is it in the net anonymity and how easy it is to sign a change.org petition is that part of it i mean that seems where to me it snowballs a bit that there are sure i'm sure that there were uh, boards and forums 10 15 years ago spouting off yeah. nonsense of this game is crap or we hate it we should all rail on it yeah but even that little thing as it can get picked up by a, a game site that 25,000 people have signed a change.org petition because this game, it's, the graphics aren't as good. Yeah. And then that makes news, and then it keeps fueling the fire, and there's yeah. more conversation about it, and it just seems like it's a bigger thing than it is, and it goes away. Because mm -hmm. even now, The Witcher 3 has been out for uh, you know almost a whole month, and oh, wow. that, that initial news and um, drama and uh, controversy seems to have kind of already died down yeah. after a few patches. Yeah. So it was there, but now it's gone. Yeah. So it's like pre-made, pre-baked controversy. Mm -hmm. Not by the developers, but it's just it's going to happen with every big game that comes out now that gets hype and has all of this this pre-release coverage and expectations, and then it goes away, and then it happens yeah. to another game. You're right, and that's a trend we observe pretty plainly. I'm going to go out on a limb here and speculate why that's happening. Okay. So, thanks to the internet, no one has ever alone in this world i guarantee that if you're on the internet you can find someone who has the exact same beliefs as you on specific topics it's great you can find communities yeah it's great for people who felt isolated or felt like they were unsure about their ideas or beliefs yeah. or like whatever it's it's a phenomenal tool for connecting people no one's questioning that even the to make a small aside because it's i think culturally relevant to say it now even the acceptance of caitlin jenner and transgender awareness that wouldn't have been possible without the internet propelling that forward in a way yeah, not not the rate it's happened. I no. mean, that's and that's insane. That, like you said, this cultural acceptance and bonding of people who have similar perspectives. So go continue. Yeah, um, that's a good example. Uh, so uh, 
I'm gonna, but like the 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 result of that though is like with this gamer and consumer entitlement thing is that it's no longer these one-off things of like talking to your friends or posting on your blog or like emailing some people and saying like or talking at the water cooler and saying hey you know quake 3 team arena wasn't actually that great of an expansion uh which is true uh and you having that opinion like yeah that wasn't as good i really wish that they just stuck to what made quake 3 arena the original game so great that's a whole lot different from saying um the witcher 3 didn't ship with the graphics that were promised CD Projekt is trying to fuck us over and set unreasonable expectations for their games, and we're being hung out to dry with these expensive video cards that we all bought in preparation for this. You thing. just almost hear in the background, like, yeah, 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 yeah the rabble yeah, rabble right. yeah. noise, right, right, like, right, right, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, and it becomes this constant thing, like you're saying, like it's now you are now a member of a culture whose sole purpose is to be the watchdog for these things that you think are not dangerous. Yeah, to be the reactionaries. And like we see this in news, 24-hour news cycle, and channels that cater to different political persuasions. True. We see this in comic books even to a lesser degree, thankfully. But like there are people constantly watching news and events there too. The way that sports blogging has changed things. The fact that there are now like how many different like sub blogs underneath Jalopnik and like Deadspin, just to give an example. Right. And... There are subcultures for everything, and what we've what this has kind of created is an industry where uh, PR and marketing are so much more important, so much bigger than they ever used to be, and they've gotten to the point where they have this sort of kind of creepy and almost like violent relationship on the surface, but ultimately a symbiotic one with these cultures, where because this group is so incensed and so connected to these games and the things they care about, they're also very avid consumers and watching out for these things. So when they feel like mm-hmm. they're being heated and catered to by these big businesses who have invested in these departments, they start to feel like, okay, we are making a difference. This is working. We need to keep doing this and we need to keep buying games to reward those companies who listen to us and deliver what we're looking for. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that scenario except the means by which that relationship takes place, which I think is toxic to to everybody. I agree. I don't know if I could have said that more succinctly and clearly. That's... The problem is this the small bit of acknowledgement and the tip of the hat by those in power of creating the games to the people that buy their games gives them this sense of influence that I think is completely unfounded. Yeah. I I get what you're saying and it's true with there should be an element of <clears throat> we're just talking about consumers and a product. Yes, there should be a freedom to speak out against things that legitimately have uh, a harm for con- to consumers are, are are complete frauds. Yes, but it's like now in the way that culture is represented for people who play games is they think that they can make the games or they're be- they've been encouraged to honestly. Yeah. And it's not saying that asking for um, um, help from Kickstarters uh, from the community of people who help fund the Kickstarter is contributing to this or doing um, betas pardon me and open betas and forum posts and inviting the hardcore types to comment and help us develop the game i don't think that that's a bad thing but i think that that just keeps giving those certain people this idea that we are the consumers buying this we have all the power which yes is true but it's turning ugly in this entitlement sense it's not a relationship it's symbiotic as 
you were saying and it could go both ways honestly like, yeah that's symbiotic for the uh, people buying it on the developers and yeah. vice versa in different ways so we see the way the relationship works in a way that feeds both parties i have one more question for you before we wrap this up um i have a concern that in the long term this is what's feeding into the cycle of homogenous games games that don't take the risks that you and i have talked about wanting to see more of yeah. And games that have to deliver on a list of bullet points. Like, for example, people feel very strongly about progression mechanics, achievement mm-hmm. structures, these kind of like metagamey things. Um, do you think this relationship is to blame for that? And like, if so, what can we be doing to change the culture? The simplest answer is always voting by purchasing, right? I mean, I think. I don't know yeah. how else we can affect that. But it's such a hollow... I mean, podcasting probably helps. (laughs) Talking about it, yes. That would be secondary. Mm -hmm. Um, Or primary, depending on who who are the people talking about it and the audience and influence that they have. I have it on good authority that some very wonderful and attractive people listen to this podcast. Yes. So, influence. You're trying to be nice to our significant others, aren't you? I don't think my significant other listens to this podcast. (laughs) I don't think mine does. (laughs) We're so alone. Uh, yeah. So, uh, talking about it is important and bringing it up um, as far as, like we're doing here, discussing the problems with that element of entitlement. Mm-hmm. But it is voting with your wallet and to change that. And I just, it baffles me. The, the last thing I want to say is it just baffles me continually. How many people complain about these games not doing what they think was expected and what should have been? It should have looked this certain way. It should have played this certain way. It should have had these features that were promised to us or what we expect. And then they buy the goddamn thing anyway. My favorite uh, ironic uh, picture of that was when Modern Warfare 2 was coming out on PC um, and there weren't going to be dedicated servers. that's right. And there's a whole Steam community of... Boycott Modern Warfare 2. Yep. And then on release day, on the PC <laughs> yeah. version, 90% of the people in that community are playing Modern Warfare 2. It says currently in game. Like that yeah. is There's what a wonderful we're screenshot. Yeah. It's so dumb. And that should be the header for this this podcast. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because gamer advocacy and then just like yeah. Exactly. And that is still, even what, six years after Modern Warfare 2 came out, still the problem of we're gonna have this false boycott. We're gonna complain about uh, Watch Dogs or uh, Witcher Three, whatever next game. Fallout Four was just announced um, as of this recording today. There yeah. was a trailer, and it basically uh, the first few articles I've seen was Fallout Four looks okay. Fallout Four is you know graphically meh, and it's... like that's it. And that's so there's going to be a controversy yeah. about that, I'm sure, and then people are going to buy it. That's my problem is there's no actual changing of any of this. It's just we want to complain because we feel marginalized um, as consumers, as fans. But and we, we don't still feel like we have control it. over this medium we care about. And like that might even get back to the fact that it's really hard to make games. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Jealousy? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But like I look at the, I haven't seen the trailer yet. I'm assuming it's going to look like Fallout 3 be a little bit better in terms of graphical fidelity. I mean, I wouldn't disagree with you. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? That's fine. Like, I understand that there are a lot of things that go into making games. You understand that, too. I understand that I'm not going to like every game I play. I'm, thinking, I'm, I'm going to like some games that I think I won't, and vice versa. I'm going to dislike games that I think I will. And, you know, I, you know, 
Yeah, it's kind of disappointing that this generation didn't represent a bigger graphical fidelity leap like the previous so one far. did. So far. We're also only like two and a half years into it. Yeah. So, But regardless, like, you know, there, there are some things where I look at that and I'm like, okay, that is, there might be some truth to this feeling of like, this generation took too long and delivered too little. Mm-hmm. And, but I also recognize that there was a major recession for years in between these generations and yeah. all these other mitigating factors. And the fact that like, at the same time, this incredible indie scene blew up. And now we have all kinds of things happening. So, well, I guess if I was going to get on a soapbox here, not that I have been for the last 30 minutes or anything. Why don't you step off and get back on? Yeah, hold on while I do that. Okay, <laughs> back. Uh, we need stepping sound effects. Yeah. yeah the soapbox. Okay. Um, it would be to tell people to just relax and appreciate what you have. That's true in life, too. But, like, we all have good intentions here for the most part. And like people who care about games, care about games and they all have different reasons for doing it. So I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're a kind hearted Zen person, but if you're not, well, just, you know, think about that. Like I, I try to push myself to appreciate games. I don't like, and right now that game is formula one, 2013. <laughs> and I'm my, my, our good friend, Doug loves those mm-hmm. games, loves F1 in real life. And I'm taking the time to go through like the technical side of like a racing sim that I never wanted to touch. And like, that's that's my journey, man. You know, that's that's just me putting myself out there to empathize and to and, learn about it. Yes, and, and yeah. that that what you're saying though to wrap that up is the sign to me of a true enthusiast of the medium and somebody who cares. True gamer. Truegamer.com. That's our new website. Um, <laughs> it's probably just a three sixty no scope. <laughs> I'm <gift>. sure it exists. <laughs> uh, it's the sign of, and I see that in myself, and that's why I think you and I uh, mesh with our perspective on games, is we will play things that we don't necessarily like, or we don't hold it against a game for not being perfect, or we just relish the experience and want to talk about the experience rather than talk about how the product itself was a disappointment and to complain about that. A discussion and an expansion on the themes and why it didn't work or why it did work is, to me, the sign of somebody who actually cares about games as a medium and not just treating it as a product that disappointed me, so now I want to complain about it everywhere online. And I just wish there was more of that and to see this this industry go forward and the medium to grow, be it indie or AAA. I think we need people to take a different, more critical and conversational approach to playing games and expecting things out of games rather than just having knee-jerk reactions to what they assumed was a promise by a developer yeah. and that the promise wasn't fulfilled so now they are uh, they've been screwed maliciously yep. and so now all games have to conform to their beliefs and their perspective otherwise they're crap yeah well said i think there's opportunity for a more like productive discussion on both sides at that table so in the meantime, thank you for a productive discussion on both sides of this table, Aaron. Oh, you're so welcome. Oh, well, it's your it's your home. You you know, this table is yours, so yes. thank you. This fold-out card table. This fancy-ass table. Yes. All episodes have been recorded on this table for the most part, except for the ones recorded on mine. There's a second table, which is your table. There are two tables. Can you tell the difference? Yes. Uh, Aaron, where are you at? Um, aside from here, at this table. This table. One of the two tables we've recorded on. You'll never know which one. I I am at Aaron Thayer. That's where I'm at. Twitter. Oh, right? Twitter, yeah. Twitter. That's on Twitter. That's Twitter. Um, <laughs> Gaming. 
gaming stuff. Where are you a true gamer? Truegamer.net is not my gamer tag. I am, <laughs> what if I am, it was? <laughs> that, would, that would have been great. You just got headshotted by truegamer.net. <laughs> XX420. Yeah. yeah. Um, Blaze it. My actual gamer tag on Xbox is Athe. Uh, on PlayStation Network, it's a, um, I think I've finally determined it's a hyphen, T-H-A-Y. Mm-hmm. And um, Steam is a And that's, yeah, that's, I'm not really playing games anywhere else right now. I've done some Mario Kart 8, uh, 200cc. Oh, you unlocked that, dude. I'm still doing 150, trying to get all the gold, gold trophies or three stars, I guess. Yeah. yeah I got a gold cup, though, on the first mushroom cup, so that was exhilarating. First try? Yeah. 200? Yeah. Damn. Shy guy. He's the guy. I'm kind of in a toadette these days. Like, okay. she's got a good balance. Okay. She's she's a good racer. I was all about Daisy, but times have changed. I heard you. Yeah. Well, well, then, opposite question for you. Where are you? I'm on the opposite side of this table. Mm-hmm. That's why everything I say sounds backwards. Uh, yeah. You can find me on Twitter, at Nick Cummings, uh, and gaming... Networks uh, as W-H-Y-M-O-G. That's pronounced Ymog. I don't know what it means. I don't really play... I don't know. I played a lot of Box Boy the last couple weeks. So nothing really online. What is Box Boy? Box Boy is a HAL Laboratory developed 3DS eShop game that's $5. And it's a puzzle platformer. And it is a very firm 3 out of 5. I don't do number ratings, but that game is a 3 out of 5. Follow-up question. Are you still playing that cat game? Neko Atsume? <laughs> yes, I am still cat collecting. Okay. Uh, I recently unlocked the living room, so now they can go from like the backyard to my living room. That's and huge. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just investing in buying all the really expensive Make toys. Mega ton right there. It's yeah. Mega ton. Dude, I'm not even kidding. Neko Atsume has given me more happiness and peace of mind in the last few months than anything else. So That's check good. that game out. And uh, yeah, Aaron, thank you. Uh, we'll be back uh, with another episode very, very soon, as in the next week. See you then. Goodbye.